Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the opportunity to minister your word. But, Father, beyond that, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to have been made aware that the technology is coming into play to where the gospel could be preached to the entire world. And, Father, everyone would be given an opportunity to realize that Christ is the answer. And, Father, you are, I believe you are more excited about coming to take your, your church out of this world than we are about going. So, Father, I pray that you would just energize us tonight, that, Father, you would help us to care more than we've ever cared before about what it is that we need to be doing in these last days. Thank you, God, again for the truth of your word, the power of it. And, Father, again, anoint our hearts and our minds to receive what it is you would have us to know and understand tonight. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 This is a summer of revival. And another thought that I had about this was, what, are, what drives revival? And I believe that this word care, there are four things about it that literally are the drivers behind this concept of revival. Uh, I heard a long time ago that there are two big problems in America, ignorance and apathy. And if you ask the average person in America, if you ask them, what do you think are the two biggest problems in America, their answer would probably be, I don't know and I don't care. Ignorance, I don't know. Apathy, and I don't care. How many of you have ever used that phrase, you know what, I don't care? Get your hand in the air before I come down there. Every one of us, at one point or another in life, have said, you know what, I just don't care. And I, I like to play games with little kids sometimes, and, I'll, and they'll tell me some big horrible story, or they'll, be, they'll, you know, they'll say some, or they'll be sharing some wonderful news, and, and, and I'll let them go through all that, and then I'll just say, you know what, nobody cares. Just a kid with them, just to fool around with them. But this, this idea of caring, what does that mean? What does it mean to care? What does it mean to really, really want to know something, really, that it really matters to you? Does it really matter to you that Dennis Elrod, for 20 years, has been ministering and touching people's lives around the world? Does that matter to you? For some, you know, for some people, they're going to go, yeah, that's nice, whatever. I mean, how many times, you know, and I, I, get, I, <laughs> I have to be careful because that little phrase, whatever, I, I use that pretty often. Some of us tell me something, I go, yeah, whatever. And what I'm basically saying to them is, you know what? I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It makes no difference to me whatsoever. And the world, for some reason, the gospel message has become that way in the hearts and lives of even church people. I believe that there are too many people in church today, not necessarily our church, but in the church overall, that are basically saying, you know what, Pastor, that was a, that was a nice sermon, but yeah, whatever. Whatever. How many people walk out of church and say, hey, hey what did Pastor preach on today? I don't know. I don't care. I just went to church. I, you know, I'm checking out the ladies or, you know, I'm just seeing who's in church and, you know, I just I didn't have anything else to do, nothing good on TV, so I went to church. That attitude stinks. Amen? It's not right. We have got to, you know, if, we want to, if you want to see revival, and for some people I think they think, you know, revival is where, you know, people come running down the aisle and they're flopping around on the floor, and, you know, that's not revival. That's weird, but it's not revival. 
Revival is when we take this verse seriously. We take this passage very seriously and we, we understand what Jesus is telling us when he says, you are the salt of the earth. What is, what is it about salt? Why would he use that phrase? Salt has to do with influence. Salt changes things it comes in contact with. How many of you put salt on stuff? How many of you realize that salt is in everything you eat almost? Your body, your body desperately needs salt because it balances the electrolytes in your system. Without salt, you're going to be in serious trouble. But salt is an influence factor that is absolutely necessary. The beautiful thing about salt is that salt is not, uh, it's not selfish. It's not about... It does, you don't put salt on something and then the salt draws all the flavor out and it just kind of locks itself up in that little crystal and then it's happy. No, it, it literally gives itself to that food or to whatever that, that salt's going into. It influences it, it, makes it makes it taste good, it's palatable, and it also helps to destroy infection. Next time you cut yourself, put some salt in that wound just for fun. Of course, then you'll be coming to me and saying, Pastor Fred, you're just mean. You are mean. You knew that was going to sting, didn't you? Yes, I did. Because it will, it will destroy infection. It destroys things. It destroys evil. Why would Jesus say that about us? You are an influencer. You are to be salt. You're, you are to be the moral corrector in your job. Now, how many of you realize that salt is not really effective in the salt shaker. Amen? This is the salt shaker. Okay? The church is, there was a book years ago, you know, out of the salt shaker. Church, you know, every, we're all salt. You know, everybody's salt. We're all light. And in here, where it's wonderful. Yeah, I'm salt. I'm light. You're salt. You're light. Yeah, oh, you're, boy, you're very nice salt. You're looking good today. Nice light. You're shining. It's beautiful. It's worthless in here. And in many ways, it becomes worthless in here. Unless you get it out there where it's needed, it becomes literally worthless. And Jesus said, it's, get out there and influence. Get out there and make a difference. How do I do that? You begin to care. Number one, the letter C. Commitment. Commitment. To care means that you commit to something. You, you make a long-term, dedicated commitment to wanting to be involved, getting involved. Making a commitment to knowing your neighbors, making a commitment to knowing the people that, uh, that you fellowship with, that you, that you minister with. Commitment. It's, it's this attitude that says, you know what, I'm going to get involved. I need to know these people that I live near. I need to understand who they are. I need to find out what's going on in their lives. To make that commitment, to stand up and say, I'm going to do this. I, you know, I'm, remi- I'm reminded of a guy that he, uh, he fell over a cliff and he was hanging onto a branch. And he cries out, he says, God... If you could hear me, help me. And God says, let go of the branch. The man thought for a minute. And then he yells out, can anybody else hear me? It's this attitude that, you know what? God, 
I want to be committed, but I want to be committed on my terms. Wrong answer. Commitment means that I acknowledge authority. I accept the fact that there are rules to play by. How many of you have ever read the Bible? I mean, parts of it, all of it. Do you, do you believe that it's true? I mean, why read it if it's not true, amen? So, do you think that God someday will hold you accountable for what you've read? Ouch. Yeah. You see, God expects commitment. Jesus told his disciples, I want you to come and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He encouraged them, he empowered them, then he deployed them, and he sent them out. God wants commitment. God wants, you know, God, do you realize that God is willing to commit himself to us? He already has. Through his son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth. I, you know, I'm excited, really excited to see Dennis again. I remember, I think it was 92 or somewhere around there, Dennis was here for one of the big rummage sales. So I got to work him uh, like a horse, and that was fun. I thought, wow, I'm getting something back from our missionaries. This is awesome. Um, just kidding. But you see, th this idea of commitment, we commit to so many different things. And yet, when it comes to church, it's like, well, you know, if it's convenient, I'll be there. No! No! It has nothing to do with convenience. I, I have a feeling that some people are going to, you know, the red, God, the trumpet will blow for the rapture, and people will go, hold on, God, I've got a couple of things I need to take care of here. No. It's commitment. Are you ready to go now? Are you ready to go now if, if Christ were to come back now? Are you ready to go now? Have you made that commitment? Or is there stuff that you still got to take care of? No. It's an attitude of commitment. Do you care enough to be ready? Do you care enough to help other people get ready? And I'm preaching to myself, totally to myself tonight. I'm just letting you listen in. God is really, really dealing with me and myself about this issue of how much do I care? Do I really care? Do I care? It starts with commitment. Number two, it starts with attitude. It deals with the issue of attitude. I, Lord dropped this little phrase in my, in my heart a few couple weeks ago. Attitude has to do with acknowledging what I receive taking what I receive and then believe that it's real and then achieve greatness. Receive, believe, and achieve. Understand what you have received through Christ. Understand what that means now that if you believe, what does it say? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, 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 thank you, man. Whosoever believes, if you believe it, you'll have everlasting life. You'll never perish, you'll have everlasting life. You will achieve greatness. Now, what does it mean to achieve greatness? Oh, you'll have lots of money, fancy cars, nice house, you know, beautiful wife or beautiful husband, etc. No, that's not greatness. That's just good fortune. Greatness is standing before God at the end of your life and hearing him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's greatness. That is what I'm looking forward to. 
then I will know that I have done what God intended for me to do. I will have achieved greatness. Receive it, believe it, achieve it. It's attitude. It's attitude. How many of you know somebody with a bad attitude? Anybody? A couple of you. Hopefully you're not sitting near them. But what is it about a bad attitude? It's, it's destructive. Do you understand that Satan wants you to not care? He, he does not want you to commit to anything. He wants you to have an attitude that is so driven by self that nobody else matters. You know, there's a reason for road rage. There's a reason. There are people out there that all they care about is themselves. They live in that realm. They don't care about anybody else. But as Christians, God help us to establish this attitude where I care, I literally do care about how you're doing. Enough to find out. Enough to know. Enough to ask. Enough to pray for you. And I, I just... The Lord has, again, laid this on my heart as well. If, if you see somebody that's just needing encouragement, be the encourager. Too many times we have a feeling like, oh, if only I had a, the pastor's card, I could give them the card and they could call the pastor and he would encourage them. No, you encourage them. You can give them our card too, but you encourage them. How many of you are capable of praying for another person? You have that capability. I now release you to do that. Feel free. Let that same attitude be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. What was that attitude? Humility. Humility is absolute power. It's power. Because you see, it's the antidote to pride. It eliminates pride. Satan hates humble people. Because he cannot mess with them. Humble people are so powerful. They make, they make things happen. Because it says that God does what? He resists the proud, but he does what with the humble? He raises them up. Can you imagine? What would that feel like? Where you just, you know, you're just being humble and you're just ministering under the anointing of the Lord and all of a sudden you just... God's excited. He is beginning to lift you up. And he wants to utilize you in a, in a, in a way of, of power that you have no idea about. Salt, light, caring, this attitude. It's absolutely amazing. See, salt is very humble. You know, you don't ever have to worry about, you know, sitting at the, going at the restaurant and there's a salt shaker maybe on the table and you know, you, that salt shaker is not going to sit there going, Hey, I'm over here. You need to put me on that food. Hey, hey, don't eat that without salt. Come on. Hey, I'm over here. Hey! Now, if that happens to you, please get out of that restaurant immediately. There's something seriously wrong in there. You know, and the, the amazing thing, you know, light is the same thing. You know, isn't this amazing? These lights just shine very, they're humbly shining lights. They're not drawing attention to themselves. They draw attention to others. That's the cool thing about light. It's 
what, what a horrible, what a horrible thing that would be. I've, I've thought of this illustration before. How crazy would that be if you walked into a room or you walked into church and the lights are up there going, oh man, I hope they don't sit in my section. I hate that person. I don't want, I'm not going to shine if they sit down. Oh, they sat down. All right, I'm not shining. <laughs> the lights start going out. <laughs> or they see somebody they really like, so then they really start to shine. Oh, I love this guy. Oh, I love this girl. These are great people. I'm going to really shine for them. They start getting, all of a sudden there's a spotlight right on them because, you know, they're cool. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's like the rain, the sun. It shines on the evil and the just. It's all, you know, it's all about, it's all about understanding what it is that we're here for. Jesus says, let your light shine. Where? Let your light shine in church so that people might see your good works. Wait, I'm sorry. I have the wrong translation. What does he say? He said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. It's out there. It's out there. I'm just, I'm getting more and more convinced of this as time moves on. The third thing is relationships. Relationships. To care means that I have to, I have to enter into a relationship. How many multiplied millions of people really do not have a relationship with Christ because they either don't know about it or they don't care? They just don't care. They are satisfied with their lives. They assume that it's all, this is all there is. It's as good as it's going to get. They don't understand the power of a relationship with Christ, the power of being anointed to receive and understand the Word of God. And so that's why those of us that have the relationship need to look and act like this is a good thing. Amen? Christians should be the, great, the, most, the happiest, most wonderful people on the planet. There should be this attitude. Again, we're back to that again. That attitude that, that says, you know what? You're just, you're amazing. The way you handle crisis the way you handle success, the way you handle life. How do you do that? How do you do that? I remember many years ago, I, was, I worked in a, in a secular job for a few years, and the, the people in that office uh, knew that I was a pastor. They knew I was you know, kind of in between churches and so on, but I was you know, working this secular job. But, but they... But I, you know, I just, I was just Pastor Fred. You know, I'm just as crazy there as I was here, as I am here. Uh, you know, funny stories, life is great. You know, the most amazing thing was, they would be, they were drawn to me when they had a problem. And they would ask me to pray for them. That's what it should be like. God deliver us from the people that, when you go to work, it's like, oh no, here they come again. My wife told me about a young lady who used to go around in her office and she'd put all these, all kinds of literature on people's desks all the time, which was actually against company policy. And the problem was, is that she would, you know, constantly be handing out all these flyers and stuff, but then she'd be, 
they'd catch her sleeping at her desk. She'd come in late. She'd go home early. Her testimony was worthless because it didn't line up. Relationship is about, again, I go back to this. God has just totally convinced me of the truth of this. Relationship is about two things, trust and gratitude. You get a young couple or an old couple that's been married. Well, my wife and I have been married almost 40 years. And I am so thankful for her. I am so grateful for her. And I rejoice in the fact that I can trust her and she can trust me. I was just in Maryland last week for four days. You know, Linda wasn't calling me every half hour. What are you doing now? What are you doing? I'm just nothing, nothing. What do you mean by nothing? I mean nothing. Well, what? What are you going to do? In, what are you going to do next? I don't know. I, you know, I'm getting ready to speak at a graduation. Well, who's going to be with you? What are you going to do then? Who's going, now? Where are you going? Did you go out to eat? Who was there? Were there any women there? Yes, honey, there were women in the restaurant. I can't, can't do anything about that. No! That would be awful. Can you imagine a life like that? Can you imagine Leslie doing that to you? Wouldn't that be exciting? No, because of trust and gratitude. That's what God wants. That's what God wants from you. If you'll trust him to tell you what he wants you to do when he wants you to do it, and then you become grateful because he's talking to you and wanting to involve you in the kingdom. Amen? We were at a pastor's conference a few weeks ago, and the Lord laid a brother on my heart that I was to give some money to him. And I, I wrote the check, and I sent it to him, and God gave that money back to my wife and I double in one week. Totally amazing. Why? Because I trusted God when he laid that on my heart. I mean, I could have negotiated that with God. God, are you sure that's a lot of money? It was a pretty sizable sum. God, you know, can we talk about this, God? You know, you know I mean, you know, could I, little, is there kind of insurance that comes with this? I mean, you know, if I do that, you know, how does this work, God? God wasn't interested in negotiating with me because, you see, had I done that, I would have told God, said, God, you know, I care more about me than I care about this pastor that needs this money. And God would have said, that's okay, I'll find somebody else. I got plenty. I got plenty of people to work with. But because I trusted him, and I, became, I was so excited when I sent that check, and I contacted him, make sure he got it, and everything was good. And, I mean, it basically helped him make it through the summer because he was out of work and so on and so forth. What, a, what an absolute blessing when we understand that relationships are built on trust and gratitude. It will empower you to, to really begin to care. You will care because somebody you trust, you care about them. Somebody that you're grateful for, you care about them. And that's what revival is all about. It's about caring. Finally, the letter E. This is one of my, this is my favorite, actually. Energy. When you care, you have energy. I like to play golf. I mean, that's no secret. But I really like it when I have a great hit. And the other day, um, I, I, I had a chip shot. 
that I had to hit up and onto the green, and then it was going to roll down the hill towards the hole. Probably had to have been, I don't know, 20, 30 yards. It was, it was a pretty good distance. And I thought, well, just get it on there, you know, hope for the best. So I hit that thing, and I'm watching this ball work its way down this green. And then it disappeared into the hole. Yes, and I just simply went, boy, that's nice. No, I didn't. Yes! 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 You thought I just won a million dollars. I just made one stupid golf shot. But that was, I was like, wow! That was amazing! And I'm telling you, because I, thought I, I have energy. It was, ener- it was energizing. Because it makes up for all the depressing shots that I have. You know, I'm, I get up there just like I do a hundred times, and you know, you hit that ball, and you're waiting for it to just take off nicely out into the middle of the fairway, and instead it's going, or it's going, splash. I'm going, what in the world? Yeah, golf is a hum, hum, humiliating, yeah, no, humbling, humbling time, humbling experience. But those couple of times when it, when you, when you hit a home run. That's a weird analogy for golf. But anyway, when you make that great shot, it's energizing. It's energy. And God help us that we, when we come to church, we bring energy with us. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive and living in you, I would think that would be energy. Amen? The Bible tells me that it's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. The devil doesn't want you to experience joy. He has come to kill, steal, and destroy your joy because your joy is what gives you the energy to care about what's going on in your life and in the world. Energy. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. Energy. People that care have energy. I can tell. I can tell the people that care because they have energy. They want to help. They want to get involved. They want to do something. They don't sneak in, slide down, and sneak out. They're in it. They're in it. They're in it for the fight. And God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, as we become the salt and this light thing, light is energy. I think that's why he uses this analogy, that you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Energize. Get the energy that it's going to take to make this happen. The power of the Holy Spirit will give you the strength. There are people in Scripture, energy came into their lives. Elijah, Elisha, Jesus. How do you fast for 40 days without some source of energy? Paul, how do you go through... Uh, all the things that he went through, the beatings and the misunderstandings and the attempts on his life and, and shipwreck and all of that without energy. you got to have it. And it will come when we understand what it means to care about somebody else besides ourselves. Amen? It's about that anointing. That's, that's energy, man. Let me tell you, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Merrill, they've, they've sensed the anointing. Pastor Merrill, when he's in India, 
I mean, you've got to have energy to function in that land. You gotta have, and it's getting to the place now in America where you need, you need the anointing to function in this society. Because the darkness is wanting to come in and that insanity in Colorado is just, again, another example of this darkness. The enemy is nervous and he wants to do whatever he can to squelch and to cause us to, come, to rise up as a people and go, you know what? There's nothing we can do about it, and I don't care. That's satanic. God help us. Because Jesus came to do what? To give us life. Life. Last time I checked, life was energizing. Life is energy. Of our five grandchildren... Um, Xander's going to be exciting, I'm pretty sure, when he gets old and older and starts walking. But, but little Ashton, three years old, he has two speeds, sleep and fast. And it's like just constant. And he's asking question after question after question. And constantly asking and, and learning and, and sucking it in. And he reminds me of, of people that when they're first saved, they're just exactly the same. I mean, they just, they're just drawing it out of you, drawing it out of you. And somebody says, and I've heard people say, well, as they get older in the Lord, that'll change. God, help us. I think the older we get in the Lord, the more energy we should have. Right? Don't you think? Wouldn't you think? I mean, the more of the word that I know, the more powerful I should be. The more anointing should be there. The more excitement should come. But it has to do with caring. I love this statement. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I want to challenge us tonight as I close with this little reading, it's not even a story, it's just some thoughts that someone put down, but what do I do about this? How do I, you know, how do I get commitment and, and my attitude corrected and, you know, make sure my relationships are correct and, and that I have the energy that I need? How do I, what do I do? You ask. You ask for it. You ask. Father, help me care more than I've ever cared before. Energize my life. Father, help me to establish my commitments in a greater way. God, forgive me for bad attitudes when I've had them. I've had them. We all have. The enemy tries to sneak in and, you know, give us all this junk and we listen to it, and then our attitude gets bad, and yeah, you know, we become selfish. Bad attitude is nothing more than selfishness. And relationships. God, help me to trust. Trust you more and be grateful. And help me to be trustworthy and to trust the people that I serve with and minister to and so on, and be grateful for them. And then... All those three put together are going to give you energy like nobody's business. I love, this, I love this writing, though. It says, I ask God. 
I asked God for strength. God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom. God gave me problems to solve. I asked for prosperity. God gave me a brain and brawn to work. I asked for courage. God allowed danger into my life to overcome. I asked for love. God gave me troubled people to help. I asked for favors. God gave me opportunities. I asked for encouragement and help. God gave me brothers and sisters in Christ. I received nothing I wanted, but everything I needed. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, once again I thank you for allowing me to preach to me. Thank you, Father, for reminding me that revival starts right here. And it starts when I begin to care for others more than I care about myself. Father, thank you, Lord, that it doesn't say that we might someday become the salt. It says that we are. It's not that we're going to become someday the light we are. And if we are, then, Father, make it so. Father, encourage us, strengthen us, convict us where we need to reevaluate our commitments. Help us to realize that we need the same attitude that was in Christ. Father, help us to be trustworthy and thankful, thankful, thankful for our relationships. And Father, thank you for the energy to set this world on fire for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.